With traffic, errands, and parking, cars can be a chore. But a great car can be an adventure, a getaway, and a prized possession. Whatever your budget or family require, there's a car out there you'll love. We're here to help you find it. I'm Todd. I'm Paul. And this is the Everyday Driver Car Debate. Happy Friday, everybody. We've got a lot of stuff going on right now. If you haven't seen it already, yesterday, that was Thursday, our YouTube video that dropped was the 1,000-mile road trip in the big, ridiculous sedans. It's out. It's there. All I can hear is the Proclaimer song in my head. I'm going to be a thousand miles. A thousand miles. A thousand miles. miles. Like, they're national yeah. heroes in Scotland, by the way. Well, so. you know, it's amazing the, how low that bar was. <laughs> song I am hearing in my head right now. But no, we did, we did do a thousand miles. You're we welcome, did everyone. In those. Yeah, and and they actually got us home, which was nice. We got the whole video breakdown. <laughs> they out of brought us back minutes. home. Yeah. When we rolled in, just going. <laughs> Whew. There was a lot of relief Man. when that trip was over. We, we had a lot of fun. So that video is out. And then tomorrow is a week two of our seventh season on Motor Trend Cable Channel, but it's actually a rerun of the Supra. It's called The Return. It's the Supra. It's the BMW M2 competition. Indeed. Because, you know, nobody wants the non-competition. I don't know why they and make them otherwise. The, and the Cayman S. And that's a really cool piece. Yes, indeed. Well, welcome back to the podcast. Fernando Alonso is returning to Formula One. Yeah. I knew he couldn't stay away. Well, and also he what's funny couldn't. is that when when Ricardo left Renault and there oh, was the space um, open. Daniel Ricardo, you're talking? Yes. When he left Renault and there was the space open, right. Chance and I were trading texts back and forth. And he said, who do you think it's going to be? And I said, I think it's going to be Fernando. And he went, oh, that'd be hysterical. They Here want we him are. back. Of course. But, the full but that's, circle. But that's where he has the history of the wins and all that kind of stuff. It's really interesting that he he's does. coming back. I mean, I wonder. There's a part of me that asks the question. And I, and I, look, I am no level close to this discussion as a driver, but I do ask the question, what is the lag time? If you're at the quote unquote, I hate to say this retirement age of your mid thirties as an athlete and you stop driving formula one, can you step back in after a couple of years? Because it's a perishable skill, you mean? Well, uh, theoretically, I mean, look, driving less so than almost any other sport on the planet. We've talked about this before. You can Less drive it so, very, very at high limits. Level but it could F1, be more perishable. I'm just wondering if you step in as a – I don't know another way to put this – as an elder champion that's been out for a couple of years. El- elderly champion. I, that sounds terrible because the guy's <laughs> not the tiniest well, bit old. But Kimi Raikkonen's 40-ish at mm-hmm. least, so he's – But he's been no. in it more consistently the last couple of years He has. I mean, he Fernando. stepped away and then yeah. he came back. And yeah, yeah. So I, I, I'm thing. fascinated. I mean, Fernando is a great driver, and I think he's been a driver without a good enough car. Yeah. So it'll yeah. be really interesting to see him come back. I also wonder who's, who's the top of the young folks that now doesn't get to step up because Fernando's back. Who is that person as well? Mm. I mean, it could be his teammate, Esteban. Who knows? Yeah, it's fascinating. Wow. All right. Well, we've got a pretty cool car debate. Two of them, actually. First one from Charity. She's in Iowa, and she says, my husband suggested I write to you fellas to help out. She (laughs) needs a fun car. We're here to help, Charity. Thank you for writing. We've also got Trevor in New Zealand, which he describes as Canada without the snow. I've never heard that before. I've never heard that either. Yeah, it's very funny. Trevor, yeah. do you get tired of people calling it Middle Earth constantly? Is, it, is the hey, joke hey, spent? Are we all over it? That's made a lot of money for New Zealand. In it fact, has. it's the gift that keeps on giving because now Amazon is shooting their whatever half billion dollar thing down there. That's they are? Being shot. What's this? Amazon is shooting a larger Lord of the Rings piece. I'm going to go geeky for a minute. Because put on, we put need your, to make a zillion more dollars. Hat, and, put on your geek hat. Uh, J.R.R. Tolkien wrote a thing called the Cimmerillion. <laughs> 
My I new know. password. You just you just go into white noise. I know <laughs> you just, have. You're, that's just, a great just password. Gaze right at there. your watch. It's going to be fine, Paul. <laughs> but look at my watch now. What it is is it's essentially the extra history around the Lord of the Rings book. He made up all the other histories that were, were not done exactly with that the... were referenced. Oh my god! So Amazon is taking the Cimmerillion and they're going to back to Middle Earth. Let's be honest, back to New Zealand, and they're shooting this big. Mo- they're they're trying to do their own Game of Thrones quality piece. They're spending the better part of a billion dollars down there. What? So uh, it's at least a half billion dollar budget. What? Yeah, it's at least. So it's going to You're be wickedly expensive. Me. Well, think about it this way, though. The original Lord of the Rings films were about $400 million. So they're going to go down there and spend five or $600 million, Holy moly. You know. For how many? Well, they're going to make a TV series. It's going to be their Game of Thrones. Okay. okay. So we'll see what comes. So, so New Zealand is still being Middle Earth. Which is what's crazy. Meanwhile, James Cameron's down there shooting the Avatar sequels, and I am look. Oh I am the first is person. Everybody to say in New it. Zealand right now, just about it's one of the Hollywood only places you can just New film. Oh my gosh! But I, I will say this also: I am a huge Jim Cameron fan. I know you are. I have counted the guy out before, so I am hesitant to do that. But Avatar, while awesome, was a long time ago, it's and there's supposed over a decade, to be yeah, yes, there's supposed to be four sequels coming. So he better get cracking four. Four more movies of something that the first one was 10 years ago. Well, maybe he'll shoot them all in succession. He is. And then he release is, them every six months I or something. still, I, wow. So Avatar is being shot as well. So New Zealand is a bit busy right now. He was busy visiting the Mariana Trench and doing other things. Yeah, he was. And screwing yeah. around with mm-hmm. deep sea diving and all that stuff. Yeah. Nice problem to have. It's amazing how when you have money at that level, your hobbies just become, he is accidentally one of the world's deepest ocean explorers because it just became his hobby. After filming the abyss and other things, he just now he's just paying money just what to go I down do. there. Yeah, this it's is what I do. Tuesday. Yeah, I'm gonna go see you. Go to the bottom of the earth at the bottom of the ocean. <laughs> well, I told you I tied it into watches because Rolex made a special edition, yep. and it, the face went from blue to black. It was really cool. Yeah. So showing the depths going down, and he wore it on the Mariana Trench. We are expedition. we are way off topic. We're talking about crush yeah, depth are. now. It's Apparently, crazy, but yeah, Hollywood anyway, is yeah. in New Zealand. Uh huh. One thing you can never have enough of is car stuff, and that's why we love Haggerty Drivers Club. Starting at $45 a year, you'll get six issues of their award-winning Haggerty Drivers Club magazine, chock full of interesting reads and beautiful photos. And you'll get access to members-only live streams on topics like car values, automotive history, and do-it-yourself tutorials. Plus, membership comes with tons of automotive discounts, including a deal of the week, which is always an incredible deal and lasts only a couple of days. If you love cars half as much as we do, this is the club for you. Learn more at Haggerty.com slash Everyday Driver. Charity writes to us from Iowa. She said her husband suggested that she write to us. (laughs) What I wonder, honestly, Charity, (laughs) is this how that conversation went? At some point, your your husband just looked at you and said, "We, we aren't accomplishing anything anymore. With this conversation, would you please write to these guys so we could just get it out of our conversation and we could just have an extra? Com- we're, we're being therapists right here. We are. There, we are. There's a marriage conversation that's coming to a screeching halt here, and now we're going to step in. It's going to be charity. A- I hope it wasn't one of those. Write to who now? Because well, yeah, there's that as well. <laughs> well. All right. So their story. She and her husband's story started 12 years ago when she purchased cars that were cute. Never tell a man his car is cute. Never. In comes her husband with his 2005 GTO, his Viper Dream, and his love of car shows. That guy. (laughs) Awesome. I love it. I think it's great. He ruined her. And when six months, she traded her mundane Saturn Coupe for a 2008 Grand Prix GXP. Awesome. Since then, they've owned a 2010 Jetta Sportwagon TDI, a G8 GT. I like it. 
And a toaster on wheels, a town and country. It even looks like a toaster on wheels. It does. It does. I think yeah. that was their inspiration. Mm-hmm. When they put the little like extra strakes on the side, it just makes it look more like a toaster. It's crazy. <laughs> yeah. Like, like the uh, the refrigerator tipped on its side, also known as the Ford Flex. Yes. My wife's a huge it's, fan it's of that. It's the refrigerator please, minus the box. Please hear my sarcasm. Yeah, she's a big fan. Yeah. Right themselves. So currently their daily drivers are a 2018 Ford Focus ST. That's okay. her husband's car and a soul-sucking 2016 Honda Odyssey. <laughs> <laughs> Which I have to go back to the category of the Honda Odyssey is awesome in the world of minivans. You are still in the mm. world of minivans and Charity's not happy about this for sure. Their son has a manual 2007 Honda Civic which they bought so her husband could teach both him and her, Charity, to drive a manual transmission. Very cool. Love it. They also have a year 2000 Viper RT10, which is her husband's dream car. Charity is slightly intimidated by the Viper. I think that is the understatement of the email. I am slightly (laughs) intimidated by the Viper. Slightly intimidated by the Viper. Yeah. It's Charity, you heard the joke. It's a truck engine wearing a car like a cape. The car just sort of flaps in the breeze behind the engine. Yeah, it does. So she loves the manual of the ST, but would love something quicker. They've got a budget about $25,000 to $30,000. They'd probably buy used. But here's the kicker. Because of their brood, they need to be able to get six people in two fun cars, so she needs four seats. Mm -hmm. The preferences include a manual transmission, above 300 horsepower, no German cars, and under 75,000 miles. Okay. All right. Wow. She doesn't like the muscle look of Challengers or Camaros, and they'll be keeping the toaster. No, Odyssey. Sorry. As the daily driver. (laughs) Current Odyssey. The soul-sucking Odyssey. soul. Yeah, that's continuing. Do you get in, and it starts, and you feel your... Anyway. (laughs) Things drain away. The daily driver is the Odyssey, so the car will be for occasional use. As I mentioned, they're out in Iowa, so this will be mainly used in the summer, and speed and handling are important. When are they not important? Well, I mean, but it does depend on how you drive and where you are. I, I, I like suppose. that she's interested in both. That's great. Their first Valentine's Day was spent at the Chicago Auto Show, <laughs> where she spotted a Lexus ISF and told her husband that she would own it someday. Okay. It's been a top contender. All right, all right, all right. She's also sniffed around a 2015 and newer Mustang GT. Okay. But she says, I'd love an RCF or a GSF, but the price is too high. Okay. They've considered getting another G8 or Pontiac GTO or a different Holden like the SS and have considered trading in the Focus ST for a Focus RS. And that would <laughs> remain her husband's daily and the fun car. So here we go. Okay. Where are you at? Well, I, I like the idea of trading the ST up for the RS. That that com- accomplishes what you're talking about. It gets You haven't really added any cars. You've just shifted. Mm-hmm. But in the world of wanting a new experience, I don't know about that. But he could become Drift King because it sends 70% it, of the torque up to the rear wheels. Uh, it's yes, got drift mode. Yeah, it's got drift mode. He could still like, You've never... My husband... It's like after work, he's out drifting again. You've never... Uh, this is the weirdest thing about drift mode in the RS, and I said it in one of our RS comparison pieces. When you have the car in drift mode and you drive it around a corner, not drifting, drive it around a corner, it feels like a sloppy suspension old muscle car. It's weird. And while you're driving a hatchback, that is a weird sensation. It is crazy fun, though. Yeah. But I, I don't think that's enough of a change from what you currently have. I do love the SS for you. I mm. think it's great. But again, that's close to something you've already experienced. Now, if you've got an updated one with the magnetic ride and the six-speed, I think you'd love it. The manuals are going to be out of your budget, though. The manuals are, are hovering right around forty grand. So I, I don't know about the the automatic. I have an answer. The One? car I think is the car. So I'm very curious where you went because I want to oh. come back to the car I think is just done. Well, I have the obvious choice, 
the not obvious choice and the super extra duper wild card. I like that. That's good. But first, Charity, I decided to apply math. Look out. I used math. Like you didn't like like multiply like you normally do? Well, it was just addition. I didn't do anything. You didn't add. You didn't double their budget while you're at it? Well, it wasn't budget, actually. Oh, okay. It was the sentence when you said, because of their brood of children, they need to be able to get six people in two fun cars, so she needs four seats. Yeah. Six people... Minus a Focus RS or ST, minus four seats, oh. leaves two people left Interesting for another fun point. Car. Am I wrong? Interesting point. Six minus four she's, is two, right? She's counting it as if they took the Viper and whatever she has. But I take your point. The Focus is still in play here. It's a great point. I didn't count the Viper. Be- oh, well. Hmm. I, th- I think that's what she's imagining. She's imagining she has her car, which can take four of them, and then her husband drives the Viper because we all know she's slightly intimidated. Husband drives the Viper with one of the kids, and it's her in the other car with the other three kids. But that's, it's I think, now. How the he takes the Viper with two kids. She can drive the ST or RS with the other true, four. True, and, but I take your point the other way. Hers. If you got, if she got a two, I see where you're going. You have found a way that Charity gets a two seat car to add. To the that's drive. where I'm going. I think that's phenomenal because you're right. On this fun drive, your husband takes the ST, which is still good. I'm like swinging math around like a morning star, like That's bashing into yeah. things and yeah. trying to figure it out. But Charity, the obvious choice for me is the Hyundai Veloster N. You said okay. no German, twenty-five to $30,000. You can yeah, get brand new, brand new one. That's really for $29, good. $29,000. Really yeah. They are so spicy. Mm-hmm. And when you and your husband are chasing each other around in your hot hatches, yep. there, there's something to be said about that car. It's just brilliant to drive. Mm. So much fun. Very different. Then you can swap and trade notes and... You know that is good. I have to give you some real credit there. That's a, that's a great great choice. The kids would love it because there's a, a certain quirk about it. The Manual styling is very aggressive. The stuff is good. Yeah, that's very really cool. good. That's strong. But again, brand new. Yeah, you can get one with the yeah. warranty, and it's brand new. I I like that. But that again, that's the obvious choice. Okay. If we're applying math, uh oh, the not obvious choice is a Corvette, like a 2014 Z51 with a manual transmission. You're intimidated by the Viper. Viper. I like this. Let's back it off a little so you Uh still have the same similar kinds of driving dynamics. I have not driven a year 2000 Viper, I admit. Yeah, but I take your point. But it's that kind of dynamics. But let's back off in the power. Still a brilliant car, fun to drive, manual. Mm -hmm. 2014 was the first year of the C7 generation, which we love. And I'd rather you have the C7 generation personally. She could probably get a C6 Grand Sport for that money, though. That'd also be a really good car. That'd be interesting. Get a Grand Sport, and then you're rocking a Corvette, still fast, manual. Shove the brood into the RS, you're in the Corvette with whoever the lucky person is. Well, the brood being the ST in this one. ST, uh, well, I'm I'm just assuming they're upgrading. They're going to upgrade it anyway. As soon as you suggest something, that just means it's happening. It's happening. It's not like we're thinking. You're right. Well, I'm being insane. It's like my sister. She's like, yeah, "Yeah, we're thinking about getting a dog. Boom, dog. Dog. (laughs) (laughs) That is true. That has been your life experience. That is very funny. It's not like like there's no gestation period in there. But Charity, the super extra duper wild card. Is a Jaguar F type convertible for thirty one thousand dollars. Whoa! I found you twenty seventeen coupes for thirty four thousand dollars. Oh, that is a lot with of car. Twenty thousand miles. That's a lot of manual car. transmission. Honey, I'm taking the Jag. Slam. <laughs> okay. All right. <laughs> That's what I wish for you, Charity. That's funny. I like this. That's really good. That's where I'm at. All right. Th- those, all of those I really like. I think you've done really, really well. You may have done better than me, but I'll tell you where my brain went. I looked at the stuff you've owned that you've liked, and I looked at mm-hmm. the fact that you, you're, you're planning to haul four seats worth of bodies around, okay? You're going to fill seats, okay? But you want fun, and you want handling, and you've had the SS, 
well, almost. You had the GT, the GAGT. So you've almost had the SS. And I like the SS a lot, but I started thinking along these lines. And I have to come back to the fact that I do think you'd like the SS. I think you'd be in an automatic, but I do think you'd like it. But all of these things led me one place. The Viper is the halo car in the garage. It is. It just sits there and breathes. It does. It just just kind of seethes slightly. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) So it sits there and kind of rules all, right? You want something with some personality. This is the problem that you have with your minivan. I don't want you in another hatch because your your husband has a hatch, even though the, I have to tell you, Paul, that the Veloster is a great call. Screaming around but Iowa in that Veloster end. You've got, you've got a I'm just thinking about what's in the garage. You've got a hatch. You've got a minivan. You've got a big rear-wheel drive bruiser, engine rear-wheel drive monster, as we've already talked about. Right. You don't have a sedan represented. True. Alpha Julia. It's even a sister car to the Viper because they're both FCA. Oh. And like oh, the Viper, okay. it's an outlier. It is. It's not an obvious choice. So you mm. get a Julia. I went looking. I went looking. You can get Julia's. Now, you can't get the Quadrifolio. You can't get the big boy. Someday you will. You will. Frightening. Yeah. And I may get one for that. No, but you can't get a Quadrifolio. But if you get the sport model with the limited slip differential, the handling on that is going to really shock you. Yeah, it's it is. really, really good. I agree. Rear-wheel drive, limited slip differential. You can get the decent paddle shift. You can't get manual. That is a bummer. But it is actually a really, really good eight-speed with the paddles. They've got like big moose antler paddles. They're actually really good. Four people in that. The kids are going to want to ride with you. Now, it is. Yeah. A, I will say, it's not overly powerful. We're talking about 260 or so horsepower. Four but the handling makes up for so much. But also, it isn't slow. Watch our no. Blue Cars episode oh. from a couple seasons back. Watch that on Amazon. That's the Julia, the same engine we're talking about, the Genesis G70 and the current BMW 3 Series. And we talked a lot in that episode about the fact that the numbers of the power on the Julia do not match the sensation. It feels significantly more powerful than Agreed. the numbers suggest. Agreed. So while it's not a big V8 bruiser by any means, it can't compete with the V10 and the Viper, I do think the kids are going to want to ride with you. Hmm. So that was my beginning and end. I just thought it was just quirky enough to, to balance the garage, the Alpha Julia. Sitting over thinking of the the perfect FCA garage, you've got the Viper that stays. Your husband trades the ST in for an Alpha Four C. You get the Alpha Quad, <laughs> not the Quad Four. It's Julia, and your son with the Civic gets in a Bart Five Hundred. <laughs> now we've now we've done the all FCA garage. I like that. That's good. Very huh. good. We're longtime users and big believers in Griot's Garage car care products. That's because while many other brands are just rebranded versions of the same few products, Griot's Garage has developed, manufactured, and bottled bespoke car care products since 1990. Griot's is a family company based in Washington State, still dedicated to having the best products for every car and budget. In fact, I learned all my certified Paul-owned car care styles from Griot's. And now you can tune up your car care routine. What you need is a foam cannon. Create a high foam blizzard right in your driveway. Foaming requires little to no work and avoids wash and do scratches. It's the safest way and super fast and cool to wash your car. Try the Griot's Garage Foaming System Complete Kit today and see what foaming is all about. I'll tell you right now, it's made cleaning faster. Griot's Garage products are 100% guaranteed and all liquid products are made in the USA. When you're ordering at griotsgarage.com, use the code EVERYDAY for 15% off liquids and 10% off everything else on your order. That's G-R-I-O-T-S. Enjoy the finest quality car care products you can buy at griotsgarage.com. Trevor's writing to us from Middle Earth. 
He's down in Middle Earth. It can't get old. It's just it, fun. I, it's it, just cool. It doesn't get old. I, here's the thing. I have to go geeky. Having worked on those films, I would love to go to New Zealand and just see all the locations for real. It's it's a phenomenal country visually. I'd love to go. Uh, it's really, really Australia cool. Australia and New Zealand. I want to go. We need to. We should shoot there. We should yeah. drive on yeah. some roads. We'd Trevor, like, certainly you've got some cool roads near you. For or sure. Maybe not near you. You just need to go south and find some well, cool roads. Well, it's interesting because he does make the point where he says that the roads are excellent. And generally, the weather's pretty good. Yeah. That's a fantastic sentence. Most of us can't say that sentence. I mean, we have great roads here, but the weather, you got four months out of the year where you're not going there. Yeah, for sure. And, and so it's interesting. He also says that American cars outside of Fords are rare and expensive, but he is looking for a fun car. He's a late 20s professional, and uh, he has currently his equivalent of the Elantra Sport GT. Owned it for two years. Before that, he had an Audi A6, and he's even had a GTI. So he's had um, he's done that world. Mm-hmm. Let's try something else. Well, Trevor ended up in the Elantra as performance is a priority, he says, but he wanted to try modern features. Okay, that is one of the key sentences in his email here. He needed to uh, to know when he bought it. He he wanted to own it to know for sure. He says, "Well, to see if our mo- modernity, if the modern features are requirements. Mm-hmm. If he'd never had something that modern, and here's the thing, he discovered doesn't really care." Yeah, he says, nice to have it. Certainly not mandatory. So now he's shopping around for something that will be the one car to rule them all. And See, for- this is why we're going Lord of the Rings, because you're right <sighs> there with us. Sliding that in there. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. <laughs> all right, so part of the job means a soul-crushing city commute to rural back roads. Okay. And he said this would be a daily car. He tends to agree that the auto or a dual clutch is the way to go. Because of the commute. I yes, see it. All right. Yes. Yeah, yeah. He's a big fan of sports sedans and wagons, but a little voice in his head says now is the chance for a coupe. No kids or pets right now. I like that. There you go. It also needs to have four seats as 20% of the time there are three or four people in the car. And if they need five seats, he'll just use his wife's car, which is a Corolla. Okay. Otherwise, he wants a daily that he can get more performance out of and put a smile on his face every day. Can we get the 20%? Down to like no percent where you just don't need four seats. I mean, I do think the no kids, no pets and the fact that your wife has a Corolla that could fit up to five people right. does make – I have look, a BAC mono. Sorry, I'm not giving you a ride. Exactly. I can't. I, can't. I, I do have to be honest, Trevor. I didn't go this way, but I'm going to challenge you because if you really can solve the I have to take multiple people because of your wife's Corolla, if you can solve that – then you open yourself up to actually getting a two-seat sports car for a while. Why not? I didn't go this that way. It does open it up, doesn't but it? But I am raising that point. I mean, 20% of the time, the car needs to have four seats. I really go, so 20% of the time, take the Corolla. Okay. Well, the cars he has driven recently is a pretty good list. Mm-hmm. It includes a BMW 116i. Okay. He drove the Stinger GT, says I could get one only with extremely high mileage. A Mark 7.5 GTI and Golf R. Subaru Legacy, Audi RS3, says this is out of my budget, but he loved it. Mm. Civic SI, the Mark VI Polo GTI, BMW X3, Audi A4 Avant, and an S200 Toyota Crown V6. But he says none of these are what he's shopping for at the moment. Drove them all, don't want any of those. Well, except for the RS3, yeah. Well, yeah. The two he keep coming back to are the Lexus ISF and the F20 generation BMW, so the M135i or an M235i. Okay. The question is, what's his blind spot? What is he not seeing? He feel yeah, like yeah, yeah. he's he's coming back to these, but he's got blinders on, and he says, in the same price range of New Zealand dollars, twenty five to thirty five thousand dollars, you know, what could he get? What is hmm. what is 
other than what he's listed, what could he be interested in? And I do have thoughts for you, but I, I like your applying math. You know, well, and I, I, I wondered when I read this email, out. I wondered about it, and, I, and again, I it stayed, might not work if his wife's using her not. car and I he might needs to not. take people. I'm asking the question because this is one of the interesting things that my wife and I discovered when we got when she got pregnant, and we went and bought a seven seat car. Mm-hmm. And then over the next few years, and we got a good deal on it and it worked out, but over the next few years, we started to really start to realize, what do our cars need to do? Not prepare for the apocalypse kind of car shopping. And I feel like we're all trying to make sure, we've talked about this before, that every car does every job, and it doesn't need to. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So what happens is, yeah. and you've got the situation, Trevor, where you've got a little bit of overlap. Your car and your wife's car both may have to transport four people, but your car only does it occasionally. And so I start to ask the question, and only you can answer it. Can the occasionally be never? And you don't know. You've got to look at your life and go, can we just solve it another way? Sure. Even if it's not never and you have a two-seat or something, you can do it in a pinch or yeah, – but- Tiny back seats on something. Who knows? So it's a question only you can answer. I didn't go that route. I still stayed with things that technically have four seat belts and places in them. Right. But uh, I've got got a couple that I – I want to talk to the two you have. I have one I have to bring up, and then I have a wild card that I really like. It'd be cool if you could get Mustangs down there. It'd be cool. uh, The problem is that all the American stuff in that part of the world, Australia and New Zealand, is really expensive. Yeah. Yeah. Trevor, I love the F21 three-door BMW 1 Series. I oh, yeah, admire cool. it every time we go to yeah, Europe yeah, and I yeah. spot them. I'm going, oh, yeah. Yeah, we didn't get That them. would solve so much in America for what we recommend. Make it manual, three-door hatch, five-door hatch, whatever. I do love that, and I do love your suggestion for the F20 as well. BMW Z4, that's the two-seater yeah, thought that two, I had. Two seat. I see it. I, I, I uh, like it, in fact, yeah. Z4 is what I was thinking, but you know, I started, I'll be honest, I started with the Hyundai i30N with the dual clutch. Oh, interesting. Okay. Because that's coming your way as the, you know, equivalent of our Veloster N running gear. And we drove it with manual transmission on the ring and it we is did. essentially Veloster. That's really fun to drive, actually really good. Well, check this out. Hyundai says the new transmission comes with video game-like features that enhance driving fun in air quotes. Oh no. The no, N- no quotes. No Grin quotes related shift. to video games. N Grin Shift. Oh, it, stop. it actually gives you turbo overboost for 20 seconds. That's not bad. That's cool. I just, I'm sorry, but when we, ha- when we go, when the press materials go two places, and this is both video games and air quotes, <laughs> it's all bad. Can you hear the sighing? Yeah. There's also end power shift. It stays mm-hmm. in the torque band when you're upshifting. It's almost like no lift shift, kind of. But then I realized you already have the equivalent of an Elantra GT. Yeah. Why am I suggesting this? We're close already. As cool yeah. as it is, why, why am I going there? So I backed away from that and went next door. I, I looked. Google Earth is awesome because you can drop it <laughs> right in the middle of uh, the street where you have all your dealerships there in Wellington. <laughs> you can almost walk in the door digitally be like, hello. <laughs> Sometimes yeah. you can. The, the weird snapshots were like, no, I don't want to be in the bathroom. I'm backing out of there. I, where's the lobby? <laughs> anyway, so I saw the Seat dealership. Oh, okay. And the Leon Cupra yeah. is sort of like, yeah, yeah. you know, a little bit less expensive, a little bit more newer and modern GTI. It's where the last generation Audis go to die. They re, they're resurrected. I'm sorry, but they are. They're resurrected. It's set like old celebrities going to Vegas to kind finish of. out their career. It's kind of it's yeah. the automotive equivalent. It's, it's of the sea before Celine they're Dion dead. Going it really to Vegas. is. It really is. So oh, but, I mean, nice. and here's the thing: Seat sells some good stuff, but if you look real closely, it's like this was that last gen Audi. <laughs> anyway, onward. So forget that. Because of that sentence, I don't need modernity. I don't mm-hmm. need the latest. It's nice and all. But that's not what you're looking for. Your other sentence here said, 
you know what? JDM cars, there's no real restrictions. I saw that too. That part of the world gets all the cool JDM <laughs> yeah. stuff. Yeah. So I went looking for mid-90s R33 Skyline GTSs, not GTRs, okay. Okay. backed off to GTSs. You don't even have to go after the turbo engine. Mm. You can go after the lower power engines in those. What are those like? Those might actually save you a little bit of money. Mm-hmm. You could get two people in the back seat, but primarily it's a two-seat fun car. They're They're... Not bad. Here's Not what's bad. funny. You actually found my wild card. No kidding. <laughs> I had the the R the Skyline. I actually went Skyline R34. Oh, you went R34. You found okay. Okay. The Scott now, not the GTR. I found the right. GTTs. I found four door and two door versions of the R34 Skyline in your budget all day long. So we're talking Done. late nineties. Done. And those cars are going to be since you don't need modern and you like JDM stuff, at least go drive those. Because my question mm-hmm. is, is that modern enough? Because while you're saying you don't need latest and greatest, is that modern enough? Like mm-hmm. right around yep. the turn of the century. Yep. So I, yeah, that's funny because that was my wild card. I <laughs> turn just started, of the century cars. Isn't that funny? I just started <laughs> shopping cars. for those, but they're, but they're out there. If you go Skylines, you've got options, man. Lots of options at your budget. You do. Trevor, the other thought that I had for you was the Toyota Celica GTS from that era, late 90s. Oh, sure. Yeah, yeah. yeah also yeah. kind of interesting. The styling is up to you, but if you're thinking rally car, they're kind of cool. Mm-hmm. Even mm-hmm. with the mud flaps or you know whatever, they're kind of interesting and <laughs> you don't see them everywhere. So I like that. Uh, Trevor, have you driven the Audi S3? You loved the RS3. Have you driven the S3? The S3 is essentially the, the Golf R of the same era in sedan form. Figure out what will kill me and back it off a it little. It is. It's exactly that. Right. So I actually think that might be an option. And I bring it up because you like the RS3 but can't afford it. And also, the one of the other ones you like is the BMW M235i. We did a head-to-head comparison with those two mm-hmm. years ago, the yeah. S3 and the M235i. Now, we prefer the M235 because of the rear-wheel drive dynamics and the manual transmission, and that's cool. You don't need yes. the manual. Yes. And how much does rear-wheel drive matter to you? You've had a lot of front-wheel drive stuff. I would rather you were in the M235. Don't even get the X-Drive. Get the rear-wheel drive and enjoy that for a while. There's a good new experience in there for you that I think is very attainable. So I want to encourage you on that. But I think you should drive an S3 just to see where does that land with you. Let's talk Lexus ISF because Charity brought it up too. She did. Yeah, she did. I know. You see that. the common so, thread here? Yeah, I did. Well done. The Lexus ISF, I've driven it. I've driven it on track. I always feel like that is a better engine than the car around it. I agree. It's I a agree. it's a very cool engine. It's an interesting car. It was never as dynamically fascinating and fun to work with as the engine itself. So I think if you can find one in your budget definitely give it a drive you might you might love it it is here's the thing there's nothing actually wrong with it except for the m3 existing mm. because i mm. think the m3 of the similar eras were always a little more properly dialed in and balanced and everything felt like it was working together better than the isf where i felt like i had the engine from a slightly different car than the chassis it was in mm. yeah so and i never loved the steering feedback on those cars well, that's the thing. The engine was like, this is a fantastic engine in a yeah. car that was, all right. So yeah. look at the ISF. I think that's good. And then I have to bring it up. Look, somebody's going to rage at me right now or throw the podcast or something. But have you driven the Toyota 86? Have you driven it? It's got every bit as much space as the M235i, essentially. It isn't as powerful. But if you're not worried about latest and greatest amenities, sure. and you want driving pleasure and a different feel, 
this is on my drive homework for you. Pretty strongly recommended as drive homework. It might not be your car, but also what's interesting is that has a actual six gear. Forget continuously variable transmissions. That's an actual six speed automatic in there. That's pretty good. It's better than most. Yes. I'll give it that. It's not these blindingly fast eight speeds that act like dual clutches. It's not that. But in a world where so many cars have either terrible automatics or, in many cases, CVTs, this has neither. It has a straight-up six-gear automatic transmission. It actually listens to the paddles. You want an automatic. You could get that car an automatic. I think you'd be surprised how much you like it and how usable it is. Now, it's not a turbo car, but it's also not front-wheel drive anymore. It's a very different feel. So this is why I'm putting it on drive homework for you. Though I still think after all of this, it's either the Skyline or the BMW M235i. Summer's here, and with that comes sunshine and blistering hot car interiors. I know that leather seat seemed like a great idea at the time until you scalded your legs. All you need is a custom sunscreen from Covercraft. These foldable sunscreens fit perfectly in the windshield of your car, and they keep your car a lot cooler while you're off enjoying the sunshine or whatever you're doing. I have used these for years, and I'm telling you, I swear by them. These custom sunscreens from Covercraft are available in a whole range of colors, and they're a simple, affordable way for you to keep your car cooler all summer long and protected from damaging UV rays all year long. We swear by our custom sunscreens from Covercraft. It's one of our favorite car accessories. And remember, you can get 10% off your car sunscreen by using the code EVERYDAY right now at Covercraft.com, or you can follow the link from our sponsors page. Damon Dickon on Facebook says that Jeep has been putting Easter eggs all over the designs of their cars, their their models, in the past few years. He says, hidden logos, Bigfoot, the Loch Ness Monster, trail maps. <laughs> By the way, the Ram did it. The new Ram does it on the underside of their center armrest. Yeah. <laughs> they have <laughs> geometric and trigonometry, trigonometry calculations yeah. Underneath the armrest that are stamped in the plastic. You could be at the job site and use it for reference. I think that's hysterical. I, I read, you I have all probably read the recent article on that, and uh, it's pretty fascinating. It, it had to do with how that piece of plastic was molded, and they had a sink mark right in the middle of it. And they, they figured out, well, we have to pour from the middle, but it makes an ugly sink mark, so they made a protractor around it. <laughs> <laughs> It's like tattoo artists that I'm turn your tattoo problems. into something else. Like I'm solving problems here. Yeah. It's now a beautiful thing. It used to be, you know, like <laughs> something weird, you know, <laughs> and they turn it into something else. So the biggest one that I can think of is the BMW Z4. If you look at the side profile of mm. the Z4, the quarter panel just behind the front wheels where the BMW logo is, mm. that is also the turn signal, that flare surfacing, that fire surfacing makes a Z. Oh, that's cool. I hadn't thought about that. So You're right, it does. Yeah, if you look at it from a side that. profile. Yeah. I forgot about that one. Yeah, that's one of the biggest ones that I can think of. But I'll also tell you about the FedEx logo. There's an arrow in the FedEx logo. <laughs> yes. And the next time you look at it and you spot it, you will never be able to unsee yep. it. Another good one, but it's not a car. That's the common one for sure. On Twitter, Lance says, I drive my uh, BMW M240i in Sport Plus mode all the time. Does this mean it's time to move on to an M2 competition? <laughs> Lance, two two things. Um, are you looking for an excuse to move on to a BMW M2 competition? Because please give are, me anything. If you are, I will encourage you. If your wife is listening or girlfriend right now, let's let's have Lance have an M2 competition. Whatever that whatever merit that has. But to actually answer your question another way, what this tells me about you, Lance, is actually just the fact that the kind of normal commuter mode on the car isn't interesting enough to you. 
Mm. That doesn't actually dictate that you need a different car. It just dictates the fact that you want better throttle response and better involvement than the normal mode. I mean, the biggest place that I notice when you change any of these cars is that throttle response. The typical throttle response is really laggy. Yes. And, yes. and I mean, pick, pick any car. I'm not saying BMW, like pick any car. It's like they don't really want you to use gas. And I always feel like I'm being restricted from what I'm asking the car to do. So I suspect you're, you're not wanting that level of restriction, and that's why you're responding to it. But if you need an M2, hey, man, M2. Speaking of sport mode and not a turbo, Fraser Haber bought a naturally aspirated car before he realized he was moving to 5280 feet. <laughs> he lives in Denver. Denver. Yeah. Uh-huh. He said he's done wheels, tires, suspension, and really tightened up the chassis on his Q50 3.7. How does he keep himself from not hating his decision and still enjoy the car? Hmm. Sport mode is one way because it'll keep it in a lower gear. Ideally, it'll keep it, you know, in a better rev range. Yeah. And, you know, certainly the way you drive it, it's, I I agree that turbo is a wonderful thing in the mountains. Mm -hmm. I do agree. And it's, if you get to the point where you just can't stand it anymore, it's okay to move on. That's the big thing. I agree with that. And it sounds like just by virtue of writing in, it sounds like you're almost there. Mm -hmm. My concern is, Doing all the other things, the money into wheels, tires, and suspension, and that kind of thing. Can you pull some money back out of there? Can you put it back to stock? Can you? Yeah. What can you do? I'm, I'm just asking. And I know engine power, especially passing power, up I-70, up through the mountains, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. it is an issue. Yeah. It's a big deal. I get the, that. The other That reminds me of a funny story, I have to say, that's not in the road trip piece. I have to tell this story in a second. However, okay. the, the bigger thing, though, I want to say is you're at that tipping point. You've put a lot of money into this car, but if you're going to chase power upgrades, you're probably going to go turbo or supercharging, and now it's going to be very expensive, and you're never going to see that money again. Yes. Please, I'm, I'm saying, yeah, don't yeah. turbo or boost the car yeah. that you have. We were, we were on we – didn't, we didn't cover this properly, so I, why it's not in the video, but when we were doing our road trip from here to Denver – in mm-hmm. our big sedans for the road trip piece. Mm-hmm. When it was almost dark, which is one of the reasons we don't have coverage of this, yeah. it was almost dark. Oh, yeah. oh my gosh. We got joined by a guy, and it was a C5 or C6, because it was so overdone. It was, it was, oh, it was so a C6. Overdone. It was a C6. But it, was it was a C6. I think. It was Man. dusk, Yeah, it, and we well, were moving. Well, but he, but he had all of the chrome bits you could add to your Corvette, making yeah. it different. Yeah. It may have been a C5. Anyway, the Never point is, a guy pulls in in a Corvette. He's got the top off. He's got the super loud exhaust. He's on a like dusk cruise. Yeah, clearly. Okay, and he decided to thunder up I seventy, and he was not ready for us. Here comes here comes a Maserati Quattroporte and a Volkswagen Phaeton. Yeah, he could not lose us. And Chance and Edgar win the eighty six. Yes, in the heck on eighty six, he could not lose us, and I think it. Genuinely frustrated him uh-huh. because we were hammering along I seventy, big curves, big acceleration moments, and it was just we kept cruising with the guy. He'd thunder for a bit, he'd do like some big move around two eighteen wheelers, and then the next thing time he looked up, I'd be like, "Hi, hello, hi." For I'm those here of you who know I seventy going from Vale back into Denver, that entire stretch, you go past Copper Mountain ski area, yeah, the whole deal. We were hanging for a good what forty minutes, forty five minutes, probably because it because it went from dusk to fully black while we did this. Yeah. And I think I think I may have frustrated him a bit. I mean, don't get me wrong. It's not like I was sticking to his bumper, but I no. could see a couple times when like he would make a transition move because we're going to go up a hill, we're going to he's going to get he's going to lose these guys and it'll be like, "Hi, hello." <laughs> anyway, so there's I70. This I guess all this really proves is that the non 
the fully naturally aspirated Volkswagen Phaeton has a surprising amount of power in the mountains. Mm. It was just ready to go. It's like, hi, I'm, I'm huge, and I'm hunting you down. Yeah, Fraser. Ultimately, we're giving you permission, if you can, to look for something new. Write to us your car debate, honestly, because if you are there keeping your car and trying to justify it, isn't going to help you. Mm. You're just going to continue to be frustrated. And you're going to con- continue to want to spend money, the the small dollars that you have, the disposable income part to improve your car, thinking you'll get there. That's just the week to week paycheck kind of, oh, I've got a few hundred extra dollars. Yeah, what could yeah, yeah, I yeah, yeah. do to improve it versus the big jump? And I know it is a big leap to change cars with yeah. tax, title and license fees and just sure. you know getting used to a sure. new payment or paying for it outright. I know that's a big jump, definitely. But if you continue on, Put yourself in the future. Mm-hmm. Another six months from now, you're going to be tearing your hair out? We well, don't want that. That's the thing. If a year from now you realize, you know what? I need to stop putting money into this. I need to move on. Can you save yourself the money and time there? I, I totally yeah. get your point. I completely agree. All right. Kelvin Tamayo says, what happens to all the electric car batteries in 20 years when they're all done for and useless? Hmm. Electric battery technology is moving. It's moving rapidly, as a matter of fact. I can only project by saying I hope that the recycling efforts and the recycling capabilities are also Mm -hmm. improved in that 20 years from now, that they're also ramped up where you can extract the metals and the ingredients that you need out of those batteries to be able to recycle them as much as you can will have also improved. We know that recycling has gotten better over the years. It hasn't you know, been leaps and bounds, but it's been interesting. I think the battery cycling almost go, kind of goes hand in hand for a lot of these car companies. You know, Both mm-hmm. Honda and Toyota, I know, have a very aggressive recycling program. A lot of other car companies, they can't think about electric car portfolios without thinking about this too. What happens? Either yeah. doing yeah, yeah. it themselves or contracting. And I think there is a huge business opportunity for that to increase. Mm-hmm. But all I can do is tell you, I, I hope that technology moves in lockstep with battery technology yeah. as well. Yeah. Well, I mean, theoretically, they're finding ways that once a, a car battery can't do the heavy cycles required for a car, it winds up in another role. Mm-hmm. I mean, keep mm-hmm. in mind also, it's typically thousands of little batteries around the size of a double A. Yeah. So yeah. they end up using them, repurposing them elsewhere. But you ask the question about 20 years, eventually batteries do wear, their, wear out their cycle ability. And it goes back to your recycle question, which is a great one. On Instagram, Den16SB, real quick on this, he said, any updates on my book? Look, when the book actually is out, I'm going to let you know, and I would love for you to read it. But just the thing is, I was most of the way done with my rewrite and then got kind of crushed by the editorial deliverables that are required to get a TV season out, and I'm still in the middle of that. The book will go to my editor probably the end of July, and I'm aiming for September-ish for a release. I will say this. My my all-purpose backstop is Christmas, but I'm still hoping for September. All right. Well, the kicked Kyer asks you – have you and your wife discussed a first vehicle for your son? Uh, well, my son and I have discussed the first vehicle, and my wife and I have as well. What's going to happen? We're going to have the classic discussion that happens on this podcast. Uh-huh. She's going to instantly think big. Oh, in She's going to think in this size, yeah. need, he needs a big he needs a suburban a bunch him. of airbags, and yeah. I'm going to go, we should buy a Miata. Yeah. I mean, we've we brushed against the subject enough already that I know that's where it's going to go. Uh, my desire is to have him in small airbags manual transmission because that's going to teach him to drive wrapped in bubble wrap well there's that separate discussion yeah i'm also asked when am i actually going to get a 911 i is this weird to say but i'm kind of hoping for another cayman <laughs> i know it sounds weird but yeah. i want the 718 gt4 or gts mm-hmm. 
that's kind of my next thought. Yeah, I know. I want to stay that. in Cayman land. Yeah. I, They're so good. I love Caymans. Yeah. I want to stay there. They will keep getting incrementally better and more fun. And the 718 is actually a little bit more raw feeling than mine. And I, mm-hmm. I'm actually kind of looking forward to that, if you can believe it. I terrified somebody in a 911 recently. They had <laughs> yeah, a 911 on loan. Yeah, you did. And they took me for a drive in it. And then I said, and they, and they know what I do. This was not like a surprise yeah. to them, but they yeah. said, I, I said, do you mind if I drive? And they said, sure. And I proceeded. I, I, I don't know what happened to me, but I actually did some of my best driving ever in a 911 with this person in the car and terrified them. I was drifting corners and crazy well, things. What you're also not mentioning is you were doing this in the middle of an airport tarmac, airport ramp yes, with was. airplanes. Yeah. Stacked and lined up, and you were doing a loop around airplanes. I was, I was, I was using the the corner lights as my reference point for the for the drift. Anyway, the point is, I had crazy fun in that nine eleven. It's awesome. Still don't want one. Still would buy a Cayman, and I'm not the just, Porsche guy you are. But I'd I love just nine elevens. The the oh, Cayman platform man. is the better platform. I believe me. Do I want a nine nine two? Yes, I do. Modernity yeah. tech, the newest nine eleven. Yes, I love it. I'm fully on board now. It's taken me a while, but I'm fully on board. The 911 <laughs> Turbo. Do you know that the brand new 992 911 Turbo has 10 piston front calipers on its brakes? 10. 10. That's astonishing. It's a genuine supercar. It is a 200-mile-an-hour car. It's a $250,000 car. It's. I want it. Yeah. We just. I want a Cayman. I, I hear you. Oh, the G, new GT4 is awesome. We just drove that uh, that V10 uh, M5. Yeah. And one of the funniest things to come out of that discussion was the fact that, think in comparison to what you're saying, the fact that the front pistons are the front brakes are two piston and the rear are one. It's astounding. What were they thinking? That is a huge, powerful car, and that is not enough brakes for that huge, powerful car. By the way, car. the owner of that car. I don't know if you heard this. He had it up to 170. And he said there are easy de-restrictor, limiter, removal mm. abilities that people can remove the limiter. He said this is a genuine 200 mile an hour car. Not enough brakes. Not enough brakes. Jamie the Eighth asked on Instagram, he said he was seriously considering the GR Yaris. But and he doesn't even qualify this. He says, but with the Supra and the continued torque trip of the, F- of the FRS, are hot Toyotas just not that good? Jamie, uh, this this is internet reality versus driver reality is yeah. what you're dealing with here. Yeah. And I say this as a guy. Look, I owned the FRS. I did not like the torque dip. I still love that car. And it was so easy to solve the torque dip. We recently had this Hakone Edition 86. Guess what? There's a torque dip still. We drove that car a lot. We actually had it for two different episodes this season, and it makes sense when you see them. I love driving that car. Yes, the lack of power and the torque dip exist but it doesn't take away the fact that the car is actually brilliant to drive. The Supra is better than whatever you're assuming. I'm just putting it out there. Mm-hmm. The Supra it is. is one of those cars that really has received already a lot of internet hate, and the internet hate has kind of come into a ball, as has the FRS, come into a ball that make people conclude, well, that's not even a good car. The FRS is a great car in spite of the torque dip. The Supra, in spite of being a BMW, is, I'm going to go ahead and say it, it's, I've said it before, actually, on camera, it's the best car BMW makes right now. The Supra is really, really good. It's, and it's really better good. It's than really the good. internet hype suggests. I'm not saying it's not without flaws. These cars are, have flaws, but they're both very good. I think Toyota is doing a really good job on their hot cars. Being Toyota, they're being cautious. But I would applaud any enthusiast that went out and bought a Toyota sports car right now because here's the crazy thing. We don't have this officially. 
We don't have this officially, but I feel like Ford and Supra are I'm important. Pardon me. Ford and Toyota are swapping roles. I agree. Ford has had the sports car for every buyer with every budget, and they are killing all of that. And Toyota is going, you know what we don't have is a sports car for every budget. And they're working on it. Mm. And they're good. They're solid. Mm. All right. Jared Rose 1 asks why we did not mention the Dodge Viper in our Tuesday discussion. Often, he says, that's a car that's argued if it is a supercar or a sports car. And agreed, it is. The the ACR is a monster. It has still one of the better Nürburgring lap times. We know drivers that have campaigned those cars. They Tons are of track records. Tons. Unbelievable cars. But among enthusiasts, I think there is a lack of perceived finesse available with a Viper. Mm-hmm. Whether or not you've driven, I think there is a general enthusiast perception of those cars that they're just a hammer. Mm-hmm. And there's no finesse, there's no delicacy, there's no exquisite anything about enjoyment. It's just bash everything in sight, mm-hmm. which can kind of get old. It's it's almost just like having a drag car, even though they're not, yeah. and I yeah, know yeah. they're not, and we have yet to really experience them. But I, I just feel like the enthusiasts go after things like the 86 and the Cayman and the Lotus and the things that we talk about that, wow, you, you really have this special feel, this fingertip kind of feel out of yeah. the road, and it yeah. really... You know, there's more grace involved with the car and there's, you know, speed and grace and finesse and all that kind of stuff that the perception is the Viper doesn't have any of those qualities. I remember driving the last gen on Willow Springs at one of the the press days that we did. And it's a handful. I mean, I'm not the first to say it. I mean, and there are plenty of guys that are phenomenal drivers that have done amazing things with Vipers. I'm not taking that away. Absolutely. But it is a big hammer of a car. I totally agree with you on that. And it isn't something where they were worried about anything other than it being that big hammer. They weren't worried about it being a luxurious interior. They weren't worried about it being the most beautiful thing ever. It's it's similar thinking to like the Gumper Apollo. Okay. It was yeah. a car built for a purpose and the Viper was just watch us hammer on people. Right. And so that creates a two things. It creates a different perception of how the car is like in, in perception. Versus how it drives. The yeah. Apollo yeah. is not a car most people lust after. It's not very attractive. It has a stripped out interior, but it is a yeah. rocket ship on the track. And the people that own them love them. The Viper is the same way. You're a Viper buyer or you're everybody else. There's yeah. not like, well, I'm thinking of these three cars and one of them's a Viper. You don't hear that. You hear about people going out. We had one earlier in this podcast yeah. to buy a Viper. <laughs> Indeed. So that puts it in a weird category as well there. Because, I mean, it almost it's almost like it's in the category of the other oddities like the BAC Mono. Is that a hypercar or a, sport, or a supercar or a right. sports car? I don't know. It's just a BAC mono. That's what it is. The feeling you get will f- make it feel like a supercar or a hypercar. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's not really. It's I'd, I'd put it in an outlier category. That is, the cars that yeah. don't, aren't necessarily poster cars except for the people that are just obsessed with them. Yeah. Charlie K. NYC asks, since the world is turning crossover, indeed it huh. is, do you anticipate growth in the performance subcompact and compact SUV market? Who do we think might fill out that niche? Well, you were just talking about Ford and their plans to dominate the world with SUVs and bash us mm. over the head with SUVs for every size and shape. They're kind of doing it already. SUVs, yeah. Yeah, yeah. And they are STIzing every one of them, as a matter of fact. So I do see Ford doing that. Kia has kind of done it, started to do it with the Seltos, and Hyundai does have an opportunity to N-Eyes, N-Eyes, N- <laughs> N-Ply, uh, <laughs> anyway, N- N them all, and N- everything. You know what I mean? So I see car companies in this strange place, Charlie, and that is 
the marketing and business people have seen everybody buying CUVs and SUVs. Yes, yes. But now how do you differentiate them? Mm-hmm. How do you make them come to your camp and your stores and come buy yours? Because what's different about them? They're all going to mm-hmm. be mm-hmm. similar in price and they all kind of do the same thing and mm-hmm. they all work well and they've got great warranties and they all kind of run. And what is the differentiating factor for all these? I mean, and they're still coming. What is it? It's terrifying. What is it? I think it's a lot of it's going to be styling. And for that reason, we're going Mm. to see more and more aggressive styling on the CUV and the SUV. Interesting. Like those crazy vans they were making in Japan for a while. It was just like, what happened there? (laughs) The Alfred van. Yeah, that's pretty interesting. Like that's a box and it doesn't, it looks like a jet engine. (laughs) Uh, There's room full of rakes here. Let's see. It's Kelevra. 006 on Instagram says, is it fair to only bring up a loved one's dangerous driving habits when they're driving your car? Ooh. Um, I, in general, unless they are in like endangering you, I don't think you can comment on somebody's driving while they're behind the wheel. Unless you have, they have opened themselves up to commentary. Mm. Like I've gone Mm -hmm. driving on back roads with my wife and I have said to her, I'm happy to make comments and to help you with your driving if you would like it. And I'm happy to sit here quietly and enjoy the fact that you're enjoying the Lotus. I don't care. Yeah. And sometimes she'll drive for a while every now and then she's like, Hey, do me a favor. So talk to me about this corner. And, and we've kind of got that agreement. Now that's been a hard fought agreement. I won't lie to you, but (laughs) I don't think in general, you can comment on somebody's driving while they're driving. This, this applies to older family members that shouldn't drive anymore as well. You can't bring it up while they're driving. It's not going to go well. So I think while they're driving your car is the wrong place on the possible exception of the fact that they are physically endangering you. Somebody's entering a wrong, an on-ramp the wrong way or something like that. Please say something, okay? Mm-hmm, but mm-hmm. just you don't like the way they're driving? Can't talk about it while they're driving. Also, if is it dangerous because you don't like it or is it dangerous? I think you also have to uh-huh. qualify that. Uh-huh. There are plenty of things that, that bother Paul and I about other people's driving. Yeah. That I just don't talk talk about. I just I don't I I wish you wouldn't drive that way, but that's the way you drive and okay, you know. So there's those yeah. categories. You got yeah. there's there's a lot of rakes here. And I but but the big takeaway for me is I don't think you can ever do it while the person is behind the wheel. And ultimately, when you do, you've got to approach in two different ways, and that is the discussion versus a dialogue. A discussion, you're not going to change anybody's mind. You're not going to try to you know you're. You're trying, but you're not going to change each other's opinion about whatever subject matter and pick mm-hmm. a subject matter on the yeah, planet. Sure, 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 sure. That's a discussion. A dialogue, you're open to receiving information. Mm. That's a different headspace than a discussion. You've all heard of roundtable discussions. Everybody's bringing their own opinion to yeah, the table yeah. about that thing. Mm-hmm. You're having a discussion. You're just putting your own opinion on a dialogue, very different. Yeah. You're receiving information. So if you ask them, hey, could we could we dialogue about this? Could could you receive some information without a being yeah. offended or yeah. upset or any of those things that, and honestly, it comes from a place of wanting you to improve and better safety and helping you. That's, that's where it comes from. That's so excellent. people start to receive that better than just I'm, a, I'm being attacked from my driving. True. And I also think if, if what's happening is you feel in danger, you can talk from that level. True. The person might not feel like they're being dangerous, but as you as a passenger say, I personally don't feel safe and here's why. All you're doing there is you're owning your own feelings and you're expressing those. Yeah. yeah. It may not change a thing, but hopefully all of us as drivers, if your passengers are scared, 
you probably need to stop. Indeed. Hopefully everybody has that level of respect for others. So hope, somehow in there, let's hope this conversation happens without a fight. Great. <laughs> Here's a question that I, I'm wondering. I can answer it for you, and I'm wondering if you have the reverse. Okay. Okay. <laughs> okay. This is uh, Geese1RBM on Instagram says, has there ever been a case where we've done a complete 180 in opinion on a vehicle? We initially hated it and grew to love it or vice versa. Now, obviously, the Maserati qualifies for you, but yes. I'm going to go another one. Yes. And I don't. It's not a full 180, but it is a significant change. We did a piece years ago, 2012, 2013, where we drove on Pacific Coast Highway. We yeah, had a Lotus Elise, <laughs> the FRS, yeah. and a Genesis. Yeah. And Paul picked the FRS as his first car. That was his favorite. Mm-hmm. He gave it four stars, and he kind of raved about it. Yeah. yeah. Over the years that you've driven that car, I think you have been in a steady slide out of love with that car. You still respect it. That's the impression. I'm, I'm speaking for you now. I get the sense you still respect it, but you don't really like it very much. I think you're right. And I'm trying to figure out why. I'm trying to rewind and think, all right, the chassis in and of itself, such a great recipe. And I, I so push and pull on this because that rear wheel drive, the front engine, the rotation, the things that are genuinely great about it, you can't assail that. You can't. Yeah. You know, tell me that that particular recipe is wrong because that applies to so many great cars. Mm-hmm. And that's what I loved about it when yeah. it came out. Yeah, yeah. And I'm wondering if it's simply a matter of getting used to more speed or wanting more power or, mm-hmm. you know, I hope, I would like to think my driving skills have improved and continue to improve. That's what I'm always thinking about is you and I and just continuing to improve our driving skills yeah, yeah. incrementally over the years, whether it's race school, whether it's totally. whatever we're doing, but I'm always thinking about being a better driver, always, mm-hmm. and improving my skills. And that will continue for my life. But I'm wondering if getting used to more power and, and 90 and 100 is, you'll see in the, in the thousand mile piece, the, the big sedans challenge. It's kind of boring. They insulate a bit. They do. I hate a to spit. say it, yeah. but they're kind of boring depending on the car. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I'm wondering if my desire for more and more power is manifesting itself yeah, I think- in a way and it the 86 just doesn't do that when I want the more power mm-hmm. because I can handle, I know what the car can do and yeah, what yeah, the yeah. chassis wants to do. And when it isn't there, that's what bugs me. I think, I think that's true. I think also the fact that I owned one and you drove it a lot. Mm-hmm. And I think there's another factor here. And I think it, that FRS, the owner was with us and that was the first time we'd driven that car. And it was a perfect situation. We're driving on Pacific coast highway. It was, yeah. it was set up to play to that car's strengths. I think certainly, all of those certainly. things are factors, but it is interesting to watch how, <laughs> I, every time we drive one, I see the struggle in you because you recognize things about it and then you walk away so frustrated. It's I'm very so frustrated. Yeah. It's so funny. Am I desensitized at this point? Am I maybe a little? But I'll, but this is why I wave the flag for it. And there you go, <laughs> guys. Thank you for your questions. Write to us your topic Tuesdays, your car debates, your car conclusions, everydaydrivertv at gmail.com, or you can find us in the top right corner under the About tab. There's a contact button. Many of you do, and you are. Thank you so much for writing. Yes, thank you. Give us some feedback on the TV pieces. These are reruns, but some of them only played once in prior seasons, and many of you haven't had a chance to see them yet. They are available on Amazon as well, but if you haven't seen it, they are back on TV and the new content. We're so excited to share with you. Yeah, it's very cool. It's I'm really uh, excited. some different stuff for us, and we're, we're very pleased with it. So looking forward to next time, everybody. Cheers.